As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Sorry about that. Uh, Do you guys need to go? Because we could start the podcast otherwise. You alright? Right, cool. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Hello, a little later than usual, in homage to Hamilton's jobby, well, the commentator's jobby. Um, I'm Andrew Slavin, potty trained, but not potty mouthed, and I'm joined by the Telegraph's JJ Bull. Hello, JJ. Hello, I'm glad we started off with toilet humour as grown adults. Absolutely, of course. Who else is an adult? Laura Brannan, you're an adult. You're super producer at Motherwell. How are things? No one's ever called me an adult before. <laughs> it's adult in inverted commas. I'm definitely not an adult starting this show <laughs> the way I have. Um, but Laura, uh, t- tell me about your surroundings right now. I hear you're snowed in. Um, are you building any snowmallon Campbells? Wow, that's that's impressive. <laughs> nice, see? <laughs> nice, nice. I love the snow. It's finally snowing in Glasgow for the first time in years. Proper, proper crunchy, real fat snowflakes. It's Ryan Jack Frost. <laughs> Very good. I like it, JJ. Nice. Thanks. It's not good for football snow, though. I don't like, don't like playing in the snow. I've heard um, of Snowrellos. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Let's move on. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, in the podcast this week, we've got a couple of manager stories uh, to talk about, uh, particularly Kilmarnock and Aberdeen, but we're recording this on Tuesday morning, the night after the Athletics Rangers quiz for prostate cancer, so I thought we should test your knowledge on the league leaders throughout the show, or even I might be tested as well. So Abby, our producer, is going to ask us these questions, and we are going to fail miserably, more likely. <laughs> yes. Yes, so this was, uh, so Jordan Campbell has written these and um, I'll, I'll tell you now, I've asked him to send me the easier questions. Uh-oh. So <laughs> we'll really see how you got. One to start off with, how many consecutive clean sheets did Rangers keep at the start of the league this season? Oh, is it 14? Oh, I have some options for you as well. Oh, oh multiple choice. <laughs> Just Fantastic. to make it easier. I feel like I'm on the chase. Is it seven, <laughs> eight or Nine. Nine. Not 14 then. <laughs> uh, nine. We'll go for nine. Eight. Uh, you're all wrong. It's seven. Hey. Unbelievable. Uh, uh, all right. No, no. It's, it's, yeah, it's all good. Force quit. Start again. Is it only one? No, I'm just going to give you one for now. We'll, we'll scatter them throughout the show like the snow. 
Excellent. All right, well, let's get the snow up and going. Yeah, I mean, sure. Let's stop this now. Uh, Rangers, worst performance? This is a totally Scottish football show with Andrew Slaven. There's a header. It's a save. Callahan's there. The last kick of the ball. And the basement boys hit back. Hamilton won. Rangers won. And whilst the timing of the goals tell you it was a lucky point for Hamilton, the day, the game didn't play out that way. In fact, Hamilton, and, and in fact, Ross Callahan was saying that they, they deserved more and should have even won the game. Gerard said it was their worst performance of the season. They didn't deserve the draw. Is this just a blip, JJ, really, in, in the face of it? It doesn't really matter because they're just so far ahead. It's just one of those where you look at Hamilton most of the, most of the time, but at the end of the day, Rangers are are fine, aren't they? Well, did you remember the early in the season, in fact, for most of the season, I've been saying that Rangers will lose one game and it will be to someone silly like Hamilton. Mm. It almost came true. Obviously, it didn't. Hamilton were really good in this game. Uh, Rangers were not. I wonder whether it was a little bit of complacency or something like that. They had a few players rest on the bench. And like When Ryan Jack came on, they were a much better team. When Scott Wright came on in the second half, they were a much better team. And specifically because they were trying to make runs in behind the defence and Hamilton were able to kind of keep them quite... Sat. Like my my comparison of how this sort of went. If you ever play five aside or seven aside, you'll often get players who want to be the striker, but they always stand out on the wing. And uh, you'll notice that when that happens, you get squashed in your own half because the ball goes out to them, and then they just have they just get tackled by someone who's next to them. You need someone in the middle up front to give you that depth. And uh, they had Iten playing rather than Morelos, and Iten doesn't. He's not quite the same off the shoulder striker as Morelos, and so it meant that Hamilton were able to push up closer to Rangers' goal so all the space was in behind them but none of the forwards were running in behind I mean Kent could have done it but he didn't and yeah so you saw the difference when players like Wright came on and Gerrard said as well that uh, they were much better in the second half when uh, when those subs came on but yeah I think it was a bit of complacency maybe by some of the players because they've just played so many games and they've keep winning yeah. them pretty easily <laughs> I, I remember I remember Gerrard praised Hamilton for for like their approaching games all the time and they always attack and and then they subsequently lost that last game like 5-0 or something um but they were much better in this game and they were so so positive if you looked at Hamilton's um average player positions only three of their players which all three of their defenders on average position throughout the game were in their in their own half yeah that's how forward Hamilton were and and Rangers just couldn't contend with that too much even though they had most of the ball well they couldn't really get out and then, um, I mean, even things like XG, like Hamilton way ahead. I thought Ross Callaghan was really, <laughs> was really good. Uh, Bruce Anderson had a, a decent enough game. But like I was saying, the reason is that Rangers were kind of squashed in their own half. They weren't able to play, they weren't playing through lines. They weren't getting the ball through quickly enough. Like they weren't direct enough. Just just players seemed a little bit off. Uh, Zungu, is that his name? Yeah, Zungu yeah. came off. Yeah. Um, Jack came on that made a huge difference I mean Arabo was given the lead quite early in the first half that would have been some goal as well that would have been a really good goal uh, Laura what do you make of, of Hamilton and the performance is this something I mean obviously they have to kind of take positives from it to into their next games but does this show to you that they have enough in their locker to, to get out of this relegation battle I think this this result frustrated people like me, uh, myself, more than, I think, Rangers fans. <laughs> I found it when I was talking to my friends um, in the group chat on Sunday who are Rangers fans, 
I was more annoyed at full time because of Hamilton's position in the table and what it could affect for Motherwell. Because <laughs> um, I was wanting Rangers to win because of the points difference there. Um, so for them to get a point at the end, I was the one that was angry and they were like, oh, well, you know, we didn't really deserve it. Hamilton were good and ah, this is what you get. And I'm like, what? Like, why are you not more angry about this? And then I realised it's because they don't have to win every game. The Rangers are in such a comfortable position. The fans aren't getting emotionally dragged into dropping points. Um, unlike Alan McGregor, who was very emotional at dropping points. Um, like it's, it says a lot for Hamilton's spirit um, and that mentality to keep fighting until the death. It was something that Motherwell came close to against Celtic in the last seconds. We didn't manage it, but Hamilton did against Rangers, literally the last kick of the ball. It was great they went for it. They had two up front. There was no negativity. They weren't throwing everything back at defending. Um, it was just do or die, really. They didn't really have anything to lose at that stage of the game but to go for it. And they came close a number of occasions towards the end as well. It wasn't like it was just a one-off chance. But, um, I mean, did you see Alan McGregor's interview at full time? No. He was raging, absolutely livid um, at the whole situation. He... It was the most Scottish interview you can imagine. He was just... <laughs> if, if you saw the Simpsons SPFL tweet, um, it was Homer sitting in the snow and it was the urge to kill fading, fading, rising. <laughs> <laughs> this sums up the Alan McGregor interview perfectly because he would he'd give really short, really angry answers of just like, I don't really want to be here. I don't want to be talking to you. I'm just going to give you straightforward, plain one-word answers. And then... The more he got asked, the more he got into it, the more he'd get angrier and angrier and he'd actually talk it through and be like, this this was unacceptable from us, this was not yeah. good enough. And it was, you need to go and watch it back if you can get a copy of it, you need to see it because, I mean, Alan McGregor saved Rangers, I think, from a, a heavy defeat. Well, not a heavy mm. defeat, but from losing more points than they did. Um, yeah. But it's not the first time this season either. He has been absolutely solid as a rock for them. Yeah, he has missed the Rangers, really, every time that he had to make a save, like most keepers do, but he's quite... Uh, vociferous and he's absolute slamming of his defence. He has been a rock for Rangers, um, and 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 without him, they they probably would have dropped a few more points. JJ, what do you sum up? Uh, well, nothing I was going to want to say about it, and we should because uh, I think we have praised Hamilton, but we should really give them a lot a lot of credit for how they attack this game because it's so easy to sit back against Rangers, block the space, and then try and hit him on the break. Whereas Hamilton, I think. Because they they didn't they didn't what people always say like have a go wasn't it having a go but Brian Rice said uh, after the game that he told the players basically to just have a go <laughs> have no regrets like you might as well like you could get pumped five nil but you might also get um, a result out of it I mean I mean literally you have to get a result because that's how the definition of playing football is you get a result for whether you draw or lose anyway well, um, uh, I digress so yeah could easily have got the win like XG says they were the better team had the better chances overall. Um, but it's all to do with putting that pressure on them. And if more teams did that, because it's very easy to be worried about um, the threat that Rangers pose and to sit back, like I said. So taking them on is a good idea, everyone else. Well, yeah, but it's it's also a credit to Hamilton's back line. They said they, said they played so high and they obviously managed that really, really mm-hmm. well. Um, yeah, but we'll move on because we'll, we'll talk about our first manager story at Kilmarnock, who have finally replaced Alex Dyer and brought back to the Premiership Tommy Wright. Obviously, Tommy spent seven years at St Johnston. He's been in Scottish football for nine. But what do you think, Laura? Is is right the right choice for Kilmarnock? Um, I think he's definitely right for short term success. I think he will save them from relegation. Uh, at least put in a very good fight against what they're facing at the bottom of the table just now. He 
he doesn't have the say in terms of players because he's missed the transfer window now, so it's not his team. Um, I think he can come into a short-term job in dealing with what he's got in front of him. In terms of long-term success, then I think that really just depends on what he gets in terms of money for the, the summer transfer window and how he can build his own squad. And that's that takes on a whole different perspective in that sense because it's, it's going to be a different team come next season. So yeah, short-term, definitely he's got the ability to come in. I don't think he plays necessarily attractive football, but he gets results. And that it, when you're at that stage, at that part of the table, that's the most important thing. Um, and that is what the fans will be looking for. So I think it is it is exactly what Kelly are after right now. Well, will he do the job, JJ? That's that's the key here, really. Is he going to turn things around for Kilmarnock in the short term? I think everyone knows that Tommy Wright is going to make Kilmarnock really boring to watch, <laughs> really hard to break down. It's like they will get they'll get wins out of it. They'll get the occasional one 0 They'll get draws after time. He'll leave them with a squad that's really hard to break down and might get to a semi-final of a cup and they might finish in the top six, maybe. It's like it's not them. <laughs> Tommy Wright is obviously a very good defensive coach. Did very well at St. Johnston. One of the things that is interesting, it's never, uh, there's that 2.1 uh, website slash email that I like that um, mm-hmm. if you don't subscribe to, I'd recommend having a look at. And uh, one of the emails this week was about what Tommy Wright will bring to Kelly. One of the things I said that when he was at Johnston, we took over. He kind of knew everyone that was there already. He knew the the, t- the team, the players, he was involved in the coaching staff. Whereas here, he's going in. And he'll know where the players are, but he doesn't know. He doesn't know them like personal level. He doesn't know what to expect. So he'll learn the characters that he needs to get in the team. He'll have the exact same problems that Dyer and uh, even Clark had with the quality of player you can attract to the job and the ones you need. They need width and pace. They need. A lot of creativity, I think. But first of all, he wants to stop them letting in stupid goals. And the one thing he'll definitely bring is, I think, consistency in team selection. And that's one of the things that we were talking about before, is that Kelly fans kind of don't know, didn't know what Dyer was going to do from week to week, what team was going to come out. And so that should make a bit of a difference. But yeah, it's not... I don't think <laughs> Kelly fans should be excited, but I don't think they should be... Uh, what's it, like, like annoyed? Do you know what? Like it's, sure, it's a yeah, really yeah, good appointment yeah. for the for the level that the club is at just now and where they could go. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Kilman it lost two 0 to St Mirren at the weekend. Goals from McAllister and Obika. Um, but Jim Goodwin's post match, uh, which was the most exciting, he says St Mirren are definitely a top six team. Um, Goodwin was obviously your manager of the year last year. JJ, you're a big fan. He says, I think we need another three wins for the remaining eight games we've got. They play Hamilton twice in Ross County. So that could be their three wins. Looking pretty good for St Mirren. Are you still, JJ, are you still calling Obika my boy? Oh no, he's not my fantasy team anymore. So when he was in, oh. when, when he's in my fantasy team, he's my boy. As all the lads are. They're all my boys <laughs> when they're in my fantasy team. Uh, <laughs> my boy Goldson, all that, you know. Very uh, yeah, good. I, I like Obika. I think he's a decent enough player. McAllister's been quite good the last few Last he's few been games. really good. Yeah, yeah. for St. And uh, um, Goodwin changes their shape a lot. Like, he's. Uh, I, I really rate Jim Goodwin very, very highly. Speaking of managers, like Tommy Wright and Kilmarnock, I mean, it's not manager news, but I'm sure we'll talk a bit about Aberdeen later. But Jim Goodwin would be the kind of manager that I'd, would. He's destined to have a bigger job at some point very soon. And that's where I think they'd probably be looking. St. So Mirren are probably. Uh, I mean, I think they're a top six team at the moment. They, they play really nice football. They can drop a back and defend when they need to. They've got decent players who can play different positions. Like, it's just a good mix. It's just been well assembled and well coached. You wouldn't have said that at the start of the season, though. 
with all the questions up in the air. And I know they had a really difficult start to the campaign um, with COVID and whatnot, uh, but they do seem to be... They've, they've found a, a, another gear in the second half of the season, Laura, and three wins in the last four as well was important for them because they, they, they aimed for top six at the start of the season. Yeah, I, I kind of like the positivity from St Mirren. I know a lot of people um, criticised them or, or rather laughed at them before, I think it was a couple of years ago when Tony Fitzpatrick said they were going for top four um, or they were they were realistically they could be top four. I kind of like this mentality of you aim as high as you can get. Um, I know you're probably going to get hurt in the process because a lot of time it can't come off. But you're, you're here to win football games and until it's mathematically impossible, why not aim for the highest? Um, <laughs> go, aim to win the league until you, you <laughs> mathematically can't. Why not? Why play in this league if you're not going to aim to win it? <laughs> but yeah, I think um, realistically, Samirim, they are, they're doing well. Um, they are looking like they could be a top six team this season. It's been a great um, recent run of form for them. I am also a big Jim Goodwin fan. So I think it's it's a good time for them just now. I don't think they're going to get dragged into the relegation battle. They, they still mathematically can, but I think they've probably done enough just now to get away from it. I would like to kind of say it's a good... Um, Dean, Dean Linus came into goals at the weekend for his first game of the season. He's been on the bench all year, and I just think it's it's quite good for a player. A goalkeeper to come in hasn't really played at all, um, and also in COVID season there's been no reserve football, so he's not even been able to get games on the side. And he came in and kept a clean sheet. So I just think it's a kind of a good wee story there. Um, nice wee can, story. Yeah. Well, a, a, another good win for good win. Uh, still to come, what's going on at Aberdeen? And it looks like Lennon is aiming to the future at Celtic. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, Mr. Lennon, so that's 15 first-class return tickets from Glasgow to Dubai, eight twin suites, poolside passes, karaoke system, one extra large shamrock flag, and a Steven Gerrard piñata. Hey, And would you like to ensure your trip, sir? Eh, uh, no. Well, what could possibly go wrong, eh? With Paddy Power's Acura Insurance, you get a free bet if one leg of your four-plus-fold Acura doesn't, uh, go to plan. Hey, Celtic? Paddy Power! Max free bet £10, with nods one to five on each leg. Online exclusive exclude shop bets. Exclude enhanced match odds. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Listen to it totally ad-free via The Athletic. On to Celtic 2, Motherwell 1. And for the first time in this new year, Celtic get back-to-back wins, which tells you kind of all you need to know for their season. Neil Lennon slating his former uh, teammates in the headlines, also saying, you know, he's 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 planning for the next three to four years in charge of Celtic. Um, he doesn't think he's done. 
Uh, we also had John Collins coming out uh, and saying that Scott Brown should have been replaced and that the recruitment all round has been bad. What do you think, Laura? Um, I listened to John Collins on Sportsline last night and it surprises me just how pro-Celtic he is in terms of a <laughs> propaganda machine. <laughs> um, you'd think he worked for them, the way he speaks. He is just so... Like, he has three pairs of green tinty specs on when he talks. It's, it's, it's quite amusing, actually. Well, he did play um, for, for Hibs. And no, that, that's where well. he got his other pair from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yes, Scott Brown's coming to the end. Um, I think we're all very much aware of that. He's winding down, slowing down, getting a wee bit um, slow in his days. But, yeah, I don't really feel like Celtic have replaced him yet. I, there, were, there was talk of David Turnbull being the new Scott Brown. I never quite bought into that because... I don't really see them playing in the, exactly the same position, or at least I don't think they should be. Um, I personally prefer Turnbull playing in a more attacking role, um, and I personally prefer Brown. I think his best years were playing in a defensive midfield role, so I don't think that's a really fair comparison, long-term speaking. Do you say, does Collins compare Turnbull to Brown? No, 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 not Collins. Okay. Um, just fans previously. Um, when ah, Turnbull okay. first signed, they were saying, this is a new Scott Brown, this is us planning for the future and stuff. Um, I never really bought into that. Can't say the things. <laughs> That's mental. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't agree with that. But um, so yes, they do definitely need a replacement for Scott Brown. I've always been quite a vocally a fan of Brown um, and what he brings to the team. I know recently he's not been put in the performances the same way, but I feel like Brown is this valuable asset that you have in your team where he's not the pretty footballer but he does all the hard work off the ball and you notice when he's not playing you might not necessarily notice when he is playing but you you notice the gap when he's not that's a very hard position to replace very very difficult so it's not something you can just do in a couple of months or one transfer window it's something that Celtic are going to have to think of long-term thinking yeah it's not it's not just his position on the pitch it's his it's his position within the team as being club captain and he's still around the squad. He's still there at every match day, providing his little, you know, bits of, of wisdom. Um so he's not just just not having him on the pitch. I think I think there's 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 definitely more problems at Celtic rather than just Scott Brown. Um but I, I look at also on Eduard, who obviously got his seventh goal in seven games and um he's second in the goal scoring charts, JJ, but I wonder if Celtic have missed him this season, have missed goal scorers from, from all around the team, even though it's a positive uh, win for them. Considering well, yeah, the I think the reason they've missed, I mean, obviously you're going to miss goals. That's kind of the most basic thing I can say. Obvious, but, yeah. Yeah. But the, uh, the, the thing with the way Lennon's system works is that it's very structured and relies on individual creativity and individual brilliance. So if you give them a platform, then let these really good players do the business, like give them a platform for it you tend to win because the players are better than the other teams. But when those players don't perform, that's when it starts to fall down. And that's what's happened to Celtic in the last while. Like it's not, like the way the system is built is not to be like a strong, how do you make it, a strong unit. team across the way. Yeah, it is that the, the unit is built around the individual players, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure people will disagree with me, but that's, that's how I see it anyway. I, it's, it's interesting that Edward seems to have stepped up now that the move hasn't come in the window. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. So uh, maybe he has to try a little bit to get out. I'm not saying I wasn't trying before. I'm always trying to cover myself. I'm so scared of the internet. Everyone giving, coming at me. Don't, uh, don't worry, man. It's not real. Well, yeah, it is. very, <laughs> let me tell you. What do you guys make of um, Graham Alexander um, and the impact he's made? Obviously, Laura, I know you're at Motherwell, but he, he's been saying... 
that Motherwell have a bit of a mindset problem against the big teams in the league. Was that was that evident in this game? Do you think? I think the the reason he said it was because he he wants them to to not fear going to the bigger stadiums. Um, he kind of wanted them to put the, the, forget the history books and and rather than seeing it as a, a stage that you're on in terms of a big stadium um, and a, a different sort, sort of game, he wanted to reaffirm don't lump the ball forward out of fear and panic because your the mentality is these players are better than me. I'm playing in a bigger stadium. This is a step up from where I should be. It's to not have that mentality. It's to, to still pass the ball out the same way you would in any other game, in any other stadium. Um, Give us a phone number. I'm just going to pass it on to Dave Cormack quickly. And, uh... <laughs> I think it's evident of what this confidence that he's trying to instill in the team right now. Look, I, I don't think it's a secret. Um, everyone can see confidence was low around the kind of bad patch during Christmas time and everything kind of came to a head. Results weren't going well. Players weren't playing with confidence. Uh, it just kind of wasn't working. Um, and it needed that sort of injection of new life. And what Graham has done since coming in is he's very much focusing purely on the positives. Yes, there's going to be problems along the way, but if you think positively, then you start to act positively. And it all kind of comes off in a kind of domino effect. So it's things like um like when the players get their analysis clips sent to them after a game, they're asked to pick out the positives, like a couple of positives from when they've been in possession and when they've been out of possession. Um, and then they'll, they'll break those down and they'll talk about them as opposed to saying, okay, take out, pull out your negatives. So it's that sort of mindset of, right, we're going to build on the good things that's happening and in turn, we'll fix the problems as well. I think that's one of the big benefits of um, hiring out with the Premiership is you bring someone in who, because Alexander hasn't managed in the Premiership. So I mean, everyone who lives in Scotland and you know plays in the Scottish League knows that you don't win against Rangers and Celtic normally. And that is very easy to settle in. It's just being the standard. That's what you accept. And for the most part, you shouldn't win to them, but you're never going to beat them if you go in with that sort of mindset. And uh, he saw the same thing with, like, when Steve Clark came in at Kilmarnock. He's a very good manager, and he made the players believe that they could take on the big teams at that. And uh, you'll see it now with Graham Alexander. I think, yeah, that outside influence must make a big difference. And also that, that positivity is something as well. That's a very modern modern coach's approach. That's like SFA badges I did, the very low ones. It's something that comes through it loud and clear. So a modern coach should be very positive. It's all from that kind of Mourinho, Rogers style of coaching where you constantly talk up and it helps everyone else out. Yeah. yeah he I mean, seems it's... to be in a really good appointment, Alexander. I think Motherwell did really well with him. Well, it's, it's, I mean, when you look at the results as well, like we've, we've now taken on Rangers and drawn with them. And mm-hmm. we came so close to taking a point off Celtic. I don't know if you saw it, but it was I'm playing well literally well, like, the last yeah. kick of the ball was cleared off the line. Yeah. It was so unlucky. So well, I mean, that you're talking like a matter of inches and seconds of sliding doors there. I mean, they got a point off the other half of the old firm within a couple of weeks of each other. And if Mother, will, if, if Mother will focus on those positives, Laura, picking on what you said earlier about um, St Mirren, could top six still be achievable for Motherwell? Look, mathematically, yes. Um, and as I was saying, until it's um, impossible, why not? But that's not the, the mindset just now. It's definitely not looking at points tallies and looking ahead and stuff. It's it's just looking One at, game at a time. It, it's it's cliche. Um, and it's, it's looking, <laughs> it's looking true, below yeah. as well. It's, it's looking at what... You're taking it one step at a time in terms of your, your landmarks. And your landmark is first to secure safety. And then obviously it's to secure safety from the playoff and then it's working your way up but the next three games are massive for Motherwell because it's it's Kilmarnock it's Hamilton and it's St Johnson and they're all three teams that are around about us on the table so I mean 
you get full points from that. Your season changes. You get no points from that. Suddenly it's it's like you're nervous. It's squeaky bum time and everything. So I mean, talk to me in in ten days' time and, and see see what I'm feeling. <laughs> you're, you're becoming one of them of those media answers. Ah, yeah, see it's it unreal, isn't it? Hey, Laura, as well. Right, so for fantasy football, is Devante Cole now just the number nine? Is he, do you think he'll be the one that Alexander relies on going forward? Um, it, it will vary because, um, well, literally he's not the number nine because Chris Long just changed his number. And he is now back to being number nine again after losing it last season, uh, at the start of the season. He changed halfway through the season? Um, yep. Can um, you do that? You can. You can I didn't know that. You can now. <laughs> you can't can do it for the manager. Oh, my word. Um, so he is now... Change from 99 to 9, which, like, see if that's a psychological boost for him. Great. Give him it, because if he's going to score goals as a result, I am all for that. Did he give himself 99? Um, that's a bit of pretty demoralising, if not. No, he I must love the number was, 9. Yeah, he, he wanted number 9. Um, <laughs> and then, obviously, the number 9 was gone by the time he re-signed in the summer. So he went for a different variation of 9. <laughs> um, so well, in, terms of, in terms of the attacking three, though, you've got Tony Watt. Devante Cole and Chris Verlong and to be honest those three can interchange so often depending on the opposition it's not going to be a set one that is going to be playing through the middle rotations because, yeah it's exactly how it'll work but all three are good bets for scoring and assisting well let's see if the positivity stays at Motherwell um, a narrow defeat in the end against Celtic but let's move on to two teams who are fighting it out for third place come through for Boyle yet again Boyle's in Boyle surely wins it Martin Boyle scoring goals and Hibs winning handshake emoji again this is not the headline though because JJ rumours come and rumours go about Derek McInnes and when rumours are written down in a WhatsApp group well (laughs) they must be real absolutely Uh, the board has backed him what do you make of it Uh, well Dave Cormack has put out a statement or the, the board has saying that they back Derek McInnes and that uh, they fully believe that you know he's determined to drive the team back into Europe, and it makes absolute sense. It makes no financial sense to get rid of McInnes and Doherty just now, the stage of the season, especially during a pandemic when finances are already. I mean, it's not great. It looked like the club were really kind of hoping that fans would be allowed back in because it would provide a massive, massive mm-hmm. uh, boost. And I don't know, I don't know what the money's like. I mean, Cormac's worth a lot of money, but it's not up to him to put all his money into the club. And uh, nor should he be expected to pay off managers that he may or may not want to keep. It sounds like he wants to keep them in there. Uh, the form is dreadful. The football is awful. Um, but it has been a lot worse in the past. Laura. Do you, I just want to ask, where has this story, um, this unrest and movement story come from? Because I feel like every few weeks or when Aberdeen are going through a bad patch... There's talk of Derek McInnes leaving the position. <laughs> Probably from the same people who've been doing the Lennon rumours and <laughs> no, no, I, I, <laughs> all the other rumours. Where does this one come from? <laughs> well, there's this, um, there's this in the no Twitter account. It's like Halger Ingolfsson or something like that. People, Aberdeen fans who listen to this will know what I'm talking about. And apparently, um, I'm led to believe that the club don't know who this guy is, but he seems to have quite good information. Although he's been <laughs> completely wrong about what's going on recently. If it's a he. Who, who, no one knows who it is um, but generally the noise comes from WhatsApp groups and it's just someone passing it around that's the problem with modern society is that when you see something written down you tend to believe that it's true it doesn't tr- I could write down that the bottom half of me is an elephant but it's not <laughs> but if you see it written down in a WhatsApp group then you might be like oh JJ you hear about that you hear that boy he's but got I, elephant I, legs I kind of feel like um, <laughs> oh whatever this came from gazelle mate <laughs> I yeah. feel like the BBC kind of 
ran with it. Like they kind of took it and ran with it over the weekend because well, they have their own sources this, though, Laura. Wouldn't this they? came yeah. from a Tom English column that he wrote uh, late at the end of last week, where he kind of questioned whether a defeat to Hibs would be the end of McInnes and then mm. it felt like they kind of picked up on us because the tone from the sports scene commentary kind of echoed that the, the analysis after the game echoed it and then the line mm. of questioning to McInnes post-match as well from the BBC was was asking about his future and, and McInnes kind of gave the well, we're, of course I'm staying why, why are you coming out with this and it kind of felt like where, where did all this come from why why now um, excuse me for being naive but Aberdeen are sitting in a very good position right now they're sitting in a European spot, they have been consistently top four since McInnes came into the role. They've been consistently competing in cups, maybe not winning them, but consistently getting to cup semi-finals and finals. What more do Aberdeen fans want? Is well, it purely the style of football? Let me go through it. So, yeah, this football. So one of the things Cormac said when he took over is that he wants to bring an attractive style of football. It's not, not so much to do with identity. I mean, there's not... You know, it's not that kind of thing where you need to be playing the West Ham way or like Barcelona, but you need to be playing attacking football. The football's awful. The players at the moment, and bear in mind that I think McInnes is a very good manager. Um, I think he's a great motivator. I think he's a good squad builder. Um, I've been saying for a while that I think they need different attacking ideas. I think they need someone in there as a different kind of coach who can uh, teach either patterns of play or help improve players. They've got players who... like The, the tactical system does not work. It's awful to watch. Um, everything goes wide. So Aberdeen play the least amount of football through the middle of the park. This is statistically true. If you look at who scored, everything goes out to the wings. The only player they have wide are the wing backs who have to run about 25k a game because they're going up and down, up and down. Johnny Hayes is not a wing back. Uh, he played McLennan at right wing back. Like It just doesn't make sense. And those boys get to the... They get as far as they can up the pitch, the wing backs. They get to about... I don't know, 30, 40 yards from goal. They're then 1v2 and they cross early and the first ball is terrible. Get Matty Kennedy practicing crosses again and again and again for an hour a day for the next like two weeks and see if it makes a difference. So something like that. But the McKinnis said after the game that he needs Watkins and Wright and um, and, and Hedges because he had them at the start of the season and they were making all sorts of lovely like movement to help the ball. They can't do anything and the ball's getting pumped over the head. They see Alexander said to the, the players at Motherwell, that when they play against the big teams, you've got to keep the ball on the ground. Keep the ball on the ground. They don't do it. They just lump it. No one plays through the lines. Players stop showing for the ball. They lose confidence. No one wants to show for it because as soon as they get the ball, they don't have another passing option. Like, no wonder no one goes looking for it in the six roll because there's no one to pass it on to next. And these are really easy, like, positional play fixes on the coaching ground. We've got Cormac Park open. I don't see any improvement in any players since that's opened. Nothing. And the football's dreadful. And now the form is bad. I think it's like five wins in 19, something like that and genuinely they could easily drop out the top four Livy could easily go above them now Hibs look better organised and can go above them now and I still don't think McInnes needs to be booted just yet <laughs> I think different people need to come in well I was going to say like, you're talking about obviously the tactics and stuff like that Aberdeen have suffered from losing big players not everyone has a consistently great transfer window some seasons if you look at sure. McInnes over the years he'll have good squads he'll have bad squads it will go up and down but is it purely his fault because can you not look at his coaching team as well and say, well, what, what are the coaches bringing to this and can they not change something 
Is well, it purely all on McKinnis' shoulders? That's what I mean. Like, I think there's a difference between being a manager and being a coach. And like Alex Ferguson, for example, going back to another Aberdeen reference, would have a different assistant manager in his time. Like at Man United, he had like Feeling for a while. He had Queros. He had uh, I can't remember the other boys' names he used to have, but he changed them quite often. I should really remember those names for now because it's disrespectful. Um, but what you've got at Aberdeen, you get uh, Tony Dock is the assistant, or I think runs training. I'm led to believe. You got um, Paul Sheeran and Barry Robson. Robson did a really good job with the under 18s. It's meant to be quite an attacking minded coach, but McInnes has full control of it, and he plays a style that has consistently got Aberdeen over the line to second or third, but never above that. And I think it's sort of like Mourinho down in England when you look at how when he has the right players to play that way, and he has like his best team was when he had McGinn and Hayes at their peak when they had players who played at a higher level at their peak in that team and they were able to produce magic for Adam Rooney to score in a team that's really well built. And you had players like Jack and Shinny, like really good players. Now, he's had a squad build over and over again, which is really hard to do, and he's consistently improved that he can do it very well. But what you find now is that the players he's got in look kind of like rudderless is the word I've heard before. They just No one seems to know what their role is. Like, They've got players playing defence who don't seem to know where they're meant to be and when. Players in attack who don't seem to know when they're meant to be and when. And I wonder whether the system... And McInnes has said like to me in an interview that he wants a structured system that um, encourages individuals to be able to create and flare. Like Neil Lennon, like I was saying earlier on. And it maybe doesn't have those individual stars just now. Signing three strikers in the window. He says can barely make a big difference when he comes in. None of them will make any difference if they can't create chances other than hooking everything out to the wings and relying on wing backs to cross it in the box. And it's not it's not good enough football. Well maybe 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 the change will happen soon. We don't know. And in case we forget, Hebs won this game. They were good. <laughs> three, three yeah, the, yeah, Hebs were excellent and um and are well on course to finish third. And it's you know, three wins in a row now. I, I just wonder you know, it's it's a great testament to Jack Ross and his coaching team because they've suffered a, a lot of negativity after you know two semi-final uh, uh, defeats. Yeah, uh, and he can take confidence in the fact that his methods at Hibs are, seem to be really, really working, and they play good football. And and, and that's something that obviously Aberdeen are, are fans are are lacking and what they're seeing. Um, so pr- praise Hibs, please, people. I think yeah, there's, there's good um, competition for places just now. I feel like the players are kind of thriving off that. Look at Martin Boyle. He was benched for a few weeks and look at the reaction since. He's came in, he scored four goals in three games. They're, 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 the team in general playing attacking football. I feel like this win against Aberdeen was the result that has let Hibs fans dream realistically of European football now. I think it's kind of it's it's kind of clinched that sort of aim for them. They're looking forward now. It's a possibility. I don't see anyone calling for Jack Ross right now. It's funny that. It's all going to be a bit quiet, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, funny that. Like, <laughs> like we were saying before, I mean, like I like the way his teams play and it doesn't always work, especially if you don't have players good enough to, to do what he wants to do, but they, they like to play with the ball and they like to create chances with that and they try and break lines. Um, he's changed his system kind of recently. He's pinned the back three more often than they were um, early in the season. Darren McGregor's come in uh, like out of nowhere. He has like five or six appearances per season and then just is now a starter playing in the back three next to Hanlon and well McGinn it was against um, Hibbs but you've got Porteous as well come back in it somewhere but isn't that weird he's 35 and just like a new lease of life and he's really quick he's a big guy I don't think a lot of people maybe picked up on it I thought he came in because of all the transfer rumour and speculation surrounding Ryan Porteous 
So maybe he got he got benched um, a few weeks ago because there was a rumor of him going to like Millwall or Coventry or whatever because there was a few players that went down south. Um, and McGregor's came in and he's completely given Jack Ross something to think about because there's no reason to drop him and put Porteous back in. But I think Jack Ross likes to play out from the back and Porteous is a by far more a, a ball-playing centre-half compared to McGregor, who's maybe a bit more rough and old-school um, in his defensive style. So maybe maybe that's the reason why why it's, it's working, because Hibs have maybe missed that. I don't know. But uh, let's... Let's talk about a few things coming up. We've got the Scottish Cup final take. But first, we've got another Rangers question from producer Abby. Which nation has provided Rangers with the most players outside of the UK? Is it the Netherlands, the United States or France? I'll give you some time to think about it. Oh, is it, that is... that is, is ever? Yeah, is yeah, yeah. That is quite... I mean, I, I think it's got to be tricky. the Netherlands. I think it. I think it is. I think it is because I can. I can count only two Americans, and I can count maybe three or four French. Probably is ever. Okay. Well, we're going to take a break, and we'll find out the answer afterwards. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show from Muddy Knees Media and the Athletic. Still here with JJ Bull and Laura Brannan. We asked um, all of us a question a few moments ago. Have you guys got an answer? So just to recap, the question was, which nation has provided Rangers with the most players outside of the UK? Was it the Netherlands, the United States or France? What say you? It surely has to be the Netherlands. Yeah, I mean, that's what I would think. We're all saying the Netherlands, Abby. So the Netherlands have given Rangers 11 players. The United oh. States, eight players. France, 20. Ooh, oh, really? Yes. I knew I should have gone with France because it was the least dull. <laughs> Interesting, yeah. I, can, yeah, I cannot I can, name them. I couldn't name them all. I could name a few. But... Right oh, on well, Jack. There you go. There you go. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the cup final precursor. St Johnston won Livingston nil in terms of confidence, but it was actually 2-1 on the pitch, of course. Goals from Tanza and Rooney put St Johnston ahead. Uh, I suppose the question really is, what did St Johnston get right in this game and do Livingston need to be a bit worried about the cup final, JJ? Uh, set pieces. Set pieces, set pieces, set pieces. <laughs> Two of them. One went in the bottom corner, quite well taken. That was um, Tanzer's goal. Uh, it's all right. Mm-hmm. Um, just managed to beat the wall, get the bottom corner. And uh, the second one is the goal that I think St Johnston scored almost exactly the same goal about two weeks ago. I can't uh, remember who it was against, and it yeah. just fl- just flighted in, and somehow Rooney, who's a big lad, managed to just head it in the corner. Like nothing really else apart from that, honestly. Um, and Livingston had been be- getting better at set pieces. I don't think they can really be blamed for the first one. The second one, you could maybe say that they would like to have dealt better with the high ball, but sometimes, I mean, it was just one lad versus another lad. Sometimes you're going to lose the lad battle. <laughs> How much confidence can St Johnson take from this, uh, Laura, going into the cup final? It's it's a typical psychological boost, of course, when you look at the, it's on the fixture on paper. But this is usually what sets up a, a complete turnaround for the cup final. Everyone, you don't want that complacency to go in and go. Oh, we beat them a couple of weeks ago. We know how to deal with them. That's that's the, the dangerous part of it. That's almost what you don't want to happen in this dress rehearsal. But looking at it, it was a solid performance from St Johnson. It was good. They can obviously take a lot of heart from it. Livingston, as JJ was saying, it's it's set pieces. But 
from a positive, from a living sense perspective, is those are simple errors that you can work on in training. It's, these things can be eradicated from your game. They also saved a penalty, so they can take a lot of heart from that as well. Levy have been on such a good run. It was it something like 77 days, I think they said they went unbeaten. Nobody's panicking. It's all, it, it could just be a blip. And I don't think... I think while it will do a lot for St Johnson's confidence going into the cup final, I don't think it will harm Livingston's in any way going into it. Yeah, well, I think it's important to remember that um, it's very rare that a football team wins every single game of football that they play. So <laughs> I think it's normal to expect them to sometimes lose. <laughs> well, the run had to end eventually. It was a great, obvious start for, for David Martindale's managerial career. But it, it was a disappointing result in the aspect of they would have been two points behind Aberdeen if they had won this game. Um, they should so have that's won that. Damn it. Why didn't they? <laughs> Um, there's um, also we should say as I mentioned David Martindale is a really good piece um, on The Athletic by Jordan Campbell uh, talking about his journey from from be, being a convicted drug dealer to, to managing in the in the Scottish Premiership so it's well worth a, a wee read of that uh, I would say like more than just that the journey the interesting stuff for me is what he's learning on his coaching course and how much kind of mm. he sees himself as an academic manager which is something that I think maybe is lost in a lot a lot of what's going on because Scottish Premiership managers you tend to think of them as being like hardy guys who like you need to fight more than the other team whereas martindale definitely has that bit about him and um is a successful person like really driven but he play, applies a lot of sports science to it and it, it seems to be quite well read on what he wants to and that sounds a bit patronizing actually but he, like he just seems to have a, a bigger world view of it and it's quite a modern take on coaching and you see that applied to livingston which is why they're doing well is why i think like steve clark did so well when he came into the premiership because mm. if you if you uh, think of it at a higher level than what it's currently at, then you can apply certain things to it that make your team much better. Did you see Martindale and Robinson also got the monthly awards? So player and manager awards of the month. I don't think anyone oh, yeah. can really argue with that. <laughs> I'm going to go a good debate with my friends who are Rangers fans over who should win manager of the year between Martindale and Gerrard. I think we're a bit early to debate it, but I think it's it's good chat along the lines of, well, Gerrard is expected to win games, whereas Martindale has exceeded oh, expectations. it's tough, though. Surely, yeah, Ham- I don't it's think it's for a couple nah, of weeks' time. I don't if think Hamilton it, finished 10th, though, come on. Is there Hamilton. anyone else? <laughs> when? Sorry, when? I think that, that has to... Then the manager goes to Hamilton. <laughs> Not that Hamilton manager. <laughs> that's just the club. Um, look, let's keep uh, trundling along here. We're talking about our last game, um, which is Ross County, Dundee United. Goals from Shanklin and Edwards... Uh, gave the Tangerines a 2-0 win over Ross County in Dingwall. Obviously, with Hamilton drawing, that's that they're now three points off Ross County. Ross County are still in that that relegation battle. They, it's one of these games. It's it's a great win for Dundee United because of their uh, lack of wins in the last ten or eleven games. But Ross County should have should have well would have looked at this Laura as a game to get three points on the board. Yeah, I think Ross County had two very good wins recently. They had the, the shock against Aberdeen and they had a very valuable win against Hamilton, but this will hurt them. Um, this one, I think they've been looking to see just how far they've come under John Hughes against a team that's struggling a wee bit, mm-hmm. but they're just not been taking their chances. Uh, so I think this one will hurt them a bit more. Um, Dundee United, though, really good to see them have that sort of performance. I feel like it's, it's one the United fans can genuinely kind of get upbeat about. They looked better. They looked mm. like they were not playing players out of position. Like in recent weeks, they'd. I think the problem before was the three strikers try to force them into the same starting eleven. 
you've just got to accept some things they can't all play together and some of them are just better suited for some games and others for other games strange tweet about Lauren Shankland did you see that? <laughs> yeah yeah so <laughs> so United tweet saying only three things in life are certain birth death and Shankland goals it was his fifth goal of the season <laughs> yeah um don't think that's one of your only three things in life that's happening if he's only scored five and he's your main striker of the season. Yeah, 23 appearances I think he's had and he's got five goals. Yeah, um, maybe yeah that, was a, that was an odd one. Um, all for talking up players and everything. That was strange <laughs> I hope, propaganda. I hope this expands into other sort of metrics. So you have like birth, death and an 87% pass completion rate by Callum McGregor. <laughs> Yeah, I like In saying that. that though, it was a good team goal. It was something like, I think they were saying it was 17 seconds they had the ball in possession and it was eight passes in the build-up. So like, it's it, these are small wins that build up to big wins for United. Um, take everything they can get after their recent run. And it's it's going to be putting some good feeling around the club just now and they'll, they'll be looking to build that. That's a big three points for them against a team below them. Yeah, it's a big win considering the fact that the next uh, five games are against really strong opposition if you take Kilmarnock out of it. So Livingston, Rangers, Celtic and, and then Aberdeen. So they, it was a huge win for them as well just to get that on the board. Um, but that's I think we should finish there. That's the weekend. But we're not finishing the show completely. There are still three midweek fixtures to look forward to, uh, which we'll do next with the help of Paddy Power. Let's get some odds from Paddy Power with producer Abby. Top six finish. Who's joining Celtic Rangers, Hibs, Aberdeen and Livingston? So we've been talking about St Mirren, who are going to be in the top six, according to Jim Goodwin, and they are two to seven to get there. So Paddy Power very much heavily backing them. Uh, St Johnston, uh, four to one, and Motherwell, seven to one. So higher than Dundee United at the moment, who are 14 to one. Uh, in unlikely event, but if you wanted to killy, they're 33 to one. I always sometimes wish the, the odds were scoring. No, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about the midweek fixtures? Who's going to be, who's, who are the favourites? So I've put together a little treble on on the favourites and uh, I've gone with obviously Celtic, they're 4-9, to nine, Livingston are 4-11 to 11, and Killy are 13-8. to eight. Um, That treble comes out at 4-1. to one. Interesting. Thank you, Abby. Remember, all prices are accurate at the time of recording. T's and C's applies. It's over 18s only. And when the fun stop, stop. All right, quickly then, guys. Let's fly through these. What's taking your fancy from the midweek fixtures? Um, St Mirren to get a win over Celtic again at home? Nope. <laughs> We're not going to follow their win at Celtic Park? I think it's a draw, 1-1 or something like that. I don't yeah. know. Is the Mariner decent enough? So maybe something. I don't. I don't know anything about football. Let's move uh, next. <laughs> next, <laughs> Livingston Hamilton. Will Livingston get back to winning ways, or will yes. Hamilton win? <laughs> no, I, I. I think Livy should be able to do this one. Livy, Livy winning that one. Kilmarnock, Motherwell, Laura, you'll be there in the freezing cold. Kilmarnock's one of the coldest places I've ever been, by the way. Oh my god! Have you seen the forecast for tomorrow night? It says it feels like minus seven. <laughs> Well, the game is off. Don't worry. Don't have to worry about that. Stand and film for ninety minutes in minus seven. I'm taking my hot water bottle. I don't care what anyone thinks. You have you have hand warmers though, right? Oh yeah. Oh, they don't feel like hand warmers when it's minus seven. <laughs> you get home and you're like, oh, these are actually warm. They didn't feel warm during the game. <laughs> Killy's pitch is an all weather one as well, isn't it? One of yeah. all weather ones. It's all weather except for the weather you don't want. Like it's <laughs> the grass pitches are fine when you have snow on them. It seems. 
there's been a lot of grounds that are all weather pitches that have been called off this season. Um, let's talk about some fantasy football Scotland. Here's a question. Rangers don't have a double game week. By and large, Tavernier has been a set and forget captain. Laura, big fan of Tav, as you are, would you stick with Tav as captain or go for someone like Obika, who's playing Aberdeen and Hamilton? You're not you're not making me move for my captain Tav. He is staying there for the season until he gets injured and he's not playing games. <laughs> he's he's my captain. Absolutely. So you're guaranteed it's, fourteen points every week, eh? It's, it's, yeah. yeah, sure. An Aberdeen player might um Sorry, Smirin player might have more, get more points over two games, but it's too much of a gamble because you don't know which one it's going to be. Whereas Tavernier is just a, is a mainstay. I just have to add as well, I've moved up the table, by the way. That's big news. <laughs> I'm now above all of the English people that are in our league. <laughs> that was, that's all I wanted to achieve after I suffered some really heavy, heavy mm. losses and points. Before we end, one more question, please, Producer Abby. Yes, and it's a Stephen Gerrard question. I'm going to end with, how many players has Steven Gerrard signed? 30, oh. 40, or 50? Ooh. I think it's quite high. I, I'm going to say 50. I'm Remember, going 40. you've got nothing right so far, so this is your last <laughs> chance. No, I'm saying 30. 30? I'm saying 50. I think it's high. Uh, JJ? I'll go with 40 then. JJ oh, is right. Oh, yes! <laughs> I'm the best. See you suckers later. You're such a Rangers fan, JJ. I oh. know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all those questions, by the way, were in the Athletics Big Football Quiz Nights. So if you're not ready to take up knitting, like I have uh, just yet, I haven't taken up knitting, um, <laughs> you can stay entertained uh, by listening to those. Uh, the Rangers quiz has gone, but Celtic uh, get theirs put out. They're hosted by Kieran Devlin. They're going to take place on the 11th of March. All you need to do to get involved is just to go to theathletic.com forward slash PCUK. Uh, that's it for the show um, but big news to tell you all about uh, and the fact that producer Charlie obviously Abby is filling in for Charlie Charlie's now a dad Yeah. we have to welcome Yay. baby Dylan Jones DJ for short um, we'll definitely make him a Scottish football fan out of the wee man absolutely congratulations Charlie from all of us here for all the listeners that are listening to us thanks for joining us thank you Laura and JJ for your wonderful company but until next time cheerio Goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football Network at the Totally Show on Twitter and Insta, and be sure to check out our website, thetotallyfootballshow.com. Hi, I'm James McNicholas, and I'm here to tell you about the latest series from Beyond the Headline The Making of Big Sam. You see, Sam Allardyce seemingly can't quit English football, and English football can't quit him. But why? Why does football keep coming back to Sam Allardyce? To answer those questions and more, you'll hear from Big Sam himself, those who have worked for him, and those who've witnessed the full Big Sam experience. You can hear it all now and ad-free via the Athletic app. Just search for Beyond the Headline now. The Athletic.